The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Hokie Nation, it is officially Thanksgiving week. We have five Virginia Tech basketball games and a football game over the next uh, few days. So it's going to be an awesome week of Virginia Tech content over here at Sons of Saturday. But um, first, we're going to backtrack a little bit and break down four games, four non-conference games, uh, two for the men and two for the women, where um, one sleepy game probably for each team and then one game where uh, each of them showed kind of their full potential and took care of business in the way you'd expect them to against Campbell, Houston, Christian, Wofford, and UNC Greensboro. Um, but first, we'll start on with the women's side. The number nine women's team welcomed in Houston Christian into Castle Coliseum and won by almost 70 points. Um, I saw the a line for this game right before it started on my ESPN app. And just kind of giggled. It was like 51 and a half. And I was like, that seems a bit aggressive. Turns out it wasn't. Um, turns out Vegas was maybe overselling Houston Christian uh, to a certain extent. But Virginia Tech put up 105 points, which I believe was tied for the most in Castle Coliseum um, and won by almost 70. So uh, the Hokies had six and double figures. Georgia Amor, um, after receiving a ball for, I forget what record she broke, in the pregame of this game, broke another record during the game. Uh, with 16 assists. Uh, Claire Strack, the true freshman, off the bench with 19 and 8. Um, so it was a, it was an awesome game all around for Virginia Tech. Not a whole lot to really take away from this other than that Strack played really well um, and that, you know, across the board, everybody played really well. So, uh, Mike, do you have anything to break down from the Houston Christian game? It's, it's kind of hard to take stuff away from that. I mean, covering by almost 20 points when you think the spread is absurd at 51 and a half is kind of tells the entire story. Uh, the one thing that kind of cracked me up is that Houston Christian shot 22.4% from the field and 22.2% from three. It's like almost identical. So, I, I mean, just really tells you all you need to know. Houston Christian only made 13 field goals in this game out of their 58 shot attempts. So, uh, I mean you just dominated an opponent. You're much better than obviously you can't take too much away from it. Yeah. Yeah. The Hokies had one less made three pointer than Houston Christian did field goals. And now that I'm looking at this Houston Christian scored 16 in the first quarter, followed by seven, six and seven in the remaining three quarters, respectfully. So not a whole lot to take away from this. One thing I will add that I liked, and we saw more of it in last night's game against UNC Greensboro was, and coach Brooks talked about this in the game of the Houston Christian game, but, um, he wanted to see Strack and Kitley on the floor together. Um, you got a good glimpse of that. And Claire Strack obviously played really well, 19 points, eight rebounds on eight of nine shooting. Um, Claire Strack's a really good offensive rebounder. Uh, I've noticed that in the Iowa game, she in her like 20 seconds she was in, I believe she had an offensive rebounder, maybe two. 
And then you've seen it again in these non-conference games against inferior opponents as well. So I look to kind of see how they handle that dynamic because I think Strack and Kitley on the floor together can be a pretty dynamic um, a dynamic duo at the, at the front court spots there. So uh, with that one, we will flip over to UNC Greensboro, which was last night. And uh, this is kind of what I would classify as the sleepy game for the women's team. Um, never really gotten a good rhythm outside of Liz Kitley. Liz finished with uh, 31 and 10. Um, but overall, the, the Hokies offense kind of struggled a little bit just to kind of find their rhythm. Um, but they were still able to win by, you know, 21 points against an inferior opponent. It just overall just kind of sluggish. Coach Brooks talked about that at halftime and in the postgame. Um, outside of Liz, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about in this one. Uh, just an inferior opponent, maybe looking ahead a little bit to the, the Cayman Islands trip. But, uh, Mike, do you have any, any thoughts on last night's game? Felt like a look-ahead situation. Didn't really feel like outside of Kitley, they really played too engaged. Didn't really play like they wanted to be there. Um, I, I think the propensity of kind of entering a game when you're about to go on a mini vacation, like obviously Virginia Tech's going to be playing games in the Cayman Islands. That's a pretty cool place to go play a tournament, right, over Thanksgiving. And you got to now get up for a UNC Greensboro game a few days after beating the absolute breaks off of Houston Christian. Just a tough spot, right? Um, I, I do think that Georgia really just had a bad shooting night. I thought she played okay. Um, Kitley, I thought, was really good. But outside of that, just a really poor shooting night. A few defensive breakdowns, too. Uh, Virginia Tech obviously got off to a slow start in the first half here. Uh, and then really started pouring it on the second half to pull away. So I understand Kenny Brooks's frustration. I don't think that UNC Greensboro had Virginia Tech's full attention um, on Monday night. I think it's safe to say. Yeah, only one. After you have a game against Houston Christian where you have six in double figures, you have only one Hokie in double figures against UNCG. Um, yeah, Georgia didn't shoot the ball well. And I think if she shot the ball, you know, even close to her normal clip, um, the score is much more inflated, but she was only 4 or 15 from the floor. Even with that, she had nine points, eight assists, and zero turnovers. So uh, still a pretty good game from Georgia, despite not shooting the ball very well. Uh, Karen Baker played six minutes last night. And I believe she played a pretty significant amount. Yeah, 14 against Houston Christian. I really like her game, really good shooter. Uh, and I think as she gets more comfortable in her true freshman year, uh, she'll play more as well, along with Strack and Carly Wenzel um, coming off the bench. So uh, it was uh, – not kind of not a whole lot to talk about with that game either, unfortunately. Kitley, uh, Kitley almost I was just gonna say Kitley almost broke a 40-year-old points record. Um she almost broke a record for points in a game by Virginia Tech women's basketball player, set by Renee Dennis in 1987. Uh she had 34 points, Kitley at 31. Wow. Wow. And then Kitley Kitley also nearly tied her own uh made field goals record, right? She had 14 against App State in 2020. Of course, she had 13 on Monday night against UNC Greensboro. So just a really good night for Kitley, but outside of that, not yeah. much to speak of. Yeah, Liz kind of put on a post-clinic against a, a smaller UNCG team. It was it was pretty – she was just getting to her spots kind of with ease and making practice shots. So um, now they head down to the Cayman Islands where the field is stacked. I believe LSU is in the field and UConn is in the field. It's not a true tournament. You know who you're playing going into it. Um, but it, it it's interesting who's there. You know, UConn, LSU, Virginia Tech, a lot of – teams with national title aspirations. Curious to see if Angel Reese is there. Um, but 
The, the Hokies have uh, Kansas on Friday at five. So a little happy hour basketball for you to watch um, before, you know, the football game on Saturday. And then a little breakfast basketball on Saturday before the Hokies take on UVA in football because uh, the women play Tulane at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the overall schedule here at the end. But that's who the women have. They've got Kansas Friday at five and Tulane Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, so tune into those games and, um, you know, these are – true more more high level non-conference games kansas is a team that uh, i believe won the women's nit last year and brought pretty much everybody back and then two lanes a, a decent program as well so definitely a slight step up in competition after uh the an iowa game and then you play a couple really really low level competition now you're, you're jumping back up a little bit and as the season starts to progress so um overall not a whole lot to talk about with the women outside of strax really good performance against houston christian um and i look forward to watching this cayman trip Hey guys, this is Ali Jennings III, wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. Flip over the men. So the men had their sleepy game first against Campbell. Um, not just a really poor shooting night for Virginia Tech. Um, they won the game sixty to forty-four. I believe the spread was like nineteen or something like that. So they were uh, not able to cover the spread um, against the Campbell Fighting Campbells. Uh, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> mascot. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech struggled offensively. It was another game kind of like South Carolina where it felt like we weren't able to get into a real groove offensively. And with that, we shot 21% from three on four of 19 shooting. Um, Lynn Kidd was fantastic as he has been all year. This was kind of his best game, maybe you could say. 24 points and 15 rebounds for Lynn Kidd, who continues just an awesome start to the season. Uh, I'm really excited to see him as the year progresses because he's just dominating down low right now, getting to his spots and knocking down, you know, little sky hooks and flip shots and all kinds of stuff. Uh, a lot of dunks too for Lynn Kid, but nine of twelve from the floor, six of seven from the line. Um, just a great, great Lynn Kid game. Uh, Hunter Couture hit four threes, twelve points for him. And those are the only two Hokies in double figures against Campbell. Uh, Sean Padula had a really off night. Uh, only five points, five assists, only one turnover, though. So that's kind of a theme with Padula so far this year that I've uh, been paying attention to and has gone really, really well for him is his assisted turnover ratio has been off the charts. Uh, and even on an off-shooting night, he was able to maintain that. Um, off the bench, Malaja Poti played 14 minutes, had eight points. Makai Long, 14 minutes. Rex Steiner, 14. Jaden Young, 12. Um, just Virginia Tech just really couldn't find a groove offensively. Uh, you're continuing – well, this one, I guess – Probably should have started with this, but Tyler Nickel did not play in this game due to an illness. So that automatically makes things a little bit more difficult on the offensive end when you're missing a guy like Tyler Nickel. Um, and just no real production outside of Couture and Kidd and a, on an off night for Padula. Um, but the center spot continues to be fantastic. So you combine Kidd's fantastic stats with Poteet's really good stats, uh, and you get 32 and 18 rebounds from the five spot against Campbell. So that continues to be a highlight for the Hokies. 
this might be, it might be a little too early to make this take, but I think Virginia Tech's front court so far has been better this year than last year, right? Like so. kid, kid and Petit have been really good. Um, kid obviously providing what he's provided so far <clears throat> in terms of the scoring and the rebounding, how he's played defensively. Um, he's becoming one of those guys you don't really want to take off the floor, but they do have the luxury of having Petit behind him, who's giving the Hokies really, really good minutes, right? So you can have the ability to wrestle and kid a little bit, which is really important. Something that we've talked about with, you know, the point guard position where we don't necessarily have that luxury right now. They, you see Rex Steiner playing. We'll, we'll get into the game um, that he just had against Wofford the other night, but like he's starting to get more minutes, but you're still not comfortable taking Padula off the floor for long stretches like you are in front court. So I do think front court's in a little bit better spot. Um, th- this Campbell game, right? Like I, the focus was on the offense and how tech couldn't pull away defensively. I thought the Hogies played really well, right? Like Campbell yeah. really struggled to score here, which is what you would hope, right? I mean, holding a team to 44 points, I don't really care who you're playing. The fact that you're doing that is important. Virginia tech wasn't holding anybody to 44 points last year. Defensively, it's been a lot better. I think it's been, I would say one half against South Carolina of underwhelming basketball on that end of the floor. Outside of that, I think the Virginia Tech defense has been really good this year, right? I think they've taken a gigantic step forward. Like, still not perfect, still stuff to improve on, but uh, definitely making strides in the right direction there, more willing defensively. It's clearly been a point of emphasis in the offseason, like Mike Young was talking about it. It's clearly been a point of emphasis in season. Uh, and, And Mike Young kind of alluded to it after this Campbell game. You know, he said, you know, if we defend like that, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that we didn't shoot the ball great. And I, I think the Hokies really put themselves in a good position to win a game on off night on the offensive end of the floor, which, you know, this would have really been a hell game for Virginia Tech last year. You know, uh, if they shot the ball like this, they, would have, they wouldn't have won this game by 16 points a year ago, I don't think. So a step in the right direction, even against an opponent, you're clearly better than. Uh, I know the narrative is a little bit different because you only beat Campbell by 16. I get that. Uh, but on off shooting night to really hang your hat on the defense, been to the floor is something we couldn't say about this team a year ago. Yeah, and I want to highlight Brandon Recksteiner a little bit. Um, Sean Padula was in foul trouble in this game, which is part of why he wasn't able to be as productive on the offensive end as he usually is. Um, so Brandon Recksteiner, I don't think um, it jumps off the screen, but he comes into the game, and Mike Young talked about this in the post game for Wofford, when Brandon Recksteiner comes into game into the game, there's no deer in the headlights. There's no drop off in terms of ability to run your sets in the way that you kind of look at in the past. Like Sean Padula gets in foul trouble. We don't have a true backup point guard last year. Hunter Couture has to play point guard. Hunter Couture is not a point guard, so it kind of limits your ability to run your stuff. Brandon Recksteiner does. There's no drop off in ability to run your stuff. There's a drop off in ability to maybe put your head down, get to the basket, and get and get a shot off, that's not Rex, where Rex Steiner is in his development at all. But in terms of getting sped up and not being allowed to get into your sets and run your plays for Lynn Kidd, get him the ball in the post, for Hunter Couture off a pin down for a wide open three, there's no drop off there. Um, and I think that's huge. You know, Rex Steiner played 14 minutes, had zero points, but he only took one shot. He had zero turnovers and he had two assists. I'm cool with that. Yeah, um, I'm cool with that four games into your career, three games into your college basketball career. Right. So uh, I'm really excited about Brandon Recksteiner. And you know what? We'll just go right to the Walker game and we'll start with him while we continue to talk about him. Um, he played 15 minutes against Wofford. He had six points, two assists, no turnovers on two of four shooting and two of four from three. 
again, that's really good production from your backup point guard. Um, I don't know if it's possible, especially when you get into ACC play, to play the two of them together. Uh, it's probably not. And it's probably not something the staff wants to find themselves in a position doing unless they're playing an undersized team. Um, but man, Brandon Rexner can absolutely rip Nile Hunt. That dude's range is out of control. He can shoot it. And like I talked about, if he's going to play 15 minutes at both Campbell and Wofford and have zero turnovers, and again, running your sets, doing the right things on the offensive end of the floor, that's really good production. And I think that's exactly what the staff would want to see out of him through now four games of his college basketball career. What are the minutes that he's going to get on this Florida trip? Like, that's what I want to know, right? Like, that's what I'm interested in seeing because I think <clears throat> playing 15 minutes against Wofford and Campbell, that's that's good, right? Get get his feet wet. Um, he's not getting sped up, which I think is a really good point. He's taking care of the basketball, not turning it over. Uh, we know he can shoot it. You're losing the ability to drive to the basket, like you mentioned. I think that's right on the money. I think that's what you're missing when Padula's out of the lineup, which is why I think Rex Steiner, you really only want to play him in a pinch to give Padula a break. I, I am curious to see what his minutes look like on this Florida trip. I think if he's still getting 10, 12 minutes a game, maybe only a slight drop off in his minutes compared to this um, other non-conference competition, lower level non-conference competition. Uh, I, I think that tells you everything you need to know about kind of where he's going to be in ACC play and how Mike Young is feeling about him as we, as conference play continues to near. Right. Um, I, I think that him just being able to spell Padula is going to mean everything to the hockey season in January and February, keeping Padula as fresh as possible is going to be incredibly important. We know what kind of offensive player he's turned into now as a junior Padula needs to be on the floor 30 minutes a night but you got to have the opportunity for him to still be fresh in January and February. It's going to be the difference between making the tournament and not, I think. Uh, so him continue, Rex Snyder continuing to develop is so critically important. Uh, again, another really good Lynn kid game, like 20 points and seven rebounds. What more, what more can we say? Like if he continues to do this against a, a step up in competition, he's an all conference player. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even the fact that he went from like a rotational guy who's playing like 12 to 15 minutes a night to starter, like full time starter. It's the fact that he's going from rotational player to all ACC caliber player is an unbelievable leap. And we, we talk about, you know, the, the issues the coaching staff has had in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the high caliber recruits in town, right? Keeping them in Virginia Tech uniform and then developing, you know, developing those high caliber players. Okay, but then this is just another example of grabbing a guy out of the transfer portal, having him stay in the program and develop and then turn into a really critically important player down the road. Like, kid is a stud. Virginia Tech did not have this kind of production in the front court last year. For as good as Basoli was on the offensive end, this is a different type of player, right? Like what he's able to do in the post, he's a rim runner. He's a really good defender. He adds an element to the offense that wasn't present last year. Basili could step back and shoot it. That was great. But he didn't really, it was a different, he wasn't different from the rest of the offense, right? Like Virginia Tech was very reliant on the three-point shot. They're going to continue to be reliant on the three-point shot. But you're adding a dimension to your offense if you have a dominant post player like Lynn Kidd. So we'll see if he keeps it up in ACC play. But this is a really, really encouraging start. And again, Melijah Petit, 
only had four points here, but he was two or three shooting. He had five more rebounds. Again, off the bench in 14 minutes, five rebounds. Fantastic. Like, fantastic. When you take Lincoln off the floor and you put Petit in and he's giving you those types of minutes, that's what you want, man. Like, that, that's what you want. So really encouraging performance here. And anytime you shoot 50% from three and 57% from the floor, I mean, that's that's how you bounce back after a really poor shooting night against Campbell. And another really good defensive effort, by the way, as well here uh, against a better shooting yeah. team in Wofford. Yeah, the Hokies were really good on defense. Wofford can really shoot the ball. Um, you saw that a lot in the first half. But, yeah, to your Lynn Kidd point, um, first I'll just focus on something that I think is interesting or not interesting but very encouraging. Uh, Lynn Kidd's averaging 17, 9.8 on 78% shooting, and he's shooting 81% at the line. So uh, just been so good so far for Virginia Tech. And you're right, it is completely different than the uh, the combination of Kidd and Poteet and Barron I'll throw in there as well because I'm going to add Justin Mutz to this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's completely different than Justin Mutz and Grant Basile. You don't have the passing or the shooting ability from the four and the five spot that those two provided but you, you've upgraded your physicality um, tenfold. So it's a completely different style of front court play, but man, is it effective. Um, and I think it'll continue to, to be and need to be. And you're right, Billy called me yesterday and asked me, he was like, is Lynn Kidd going to make a all ACC team? And I was like, well, he could. The, only, the other names that jumped to mind are Armando Baycott, Kyle Filipowski, and PJ Hall. Lynn Kidd could, if he continues to play like this, he could put up stats that are right up there with PJ Hall. Yes. For sure. Uh, I'm really excited about what we've seen from Lynn Kidd. And, uh, man, that dude's worked hard, and it's awesome to see it paying off for him. Um, with that, the only other things I have on the Wofford game were uh, Hunter Couture hit four threes. He's now three away from, I believe, either tying or breaking the record. I think tying it. Um, so in all likelihood, that'll take place down in Florida in front of his family. When I talked to him during the fall, um, he mentioned, I think he's got like 50 people coming to these games. So. Um, that'll be really cool for him to potentially break that record down there in Florida in front of his home hometown and home family. Um, Tyler Nickel, back from his sickness, 23 minutes off the bench, 14 points on three of three from three, got to the rim, got fouled, shot seven free throws, made five of them. Guy's dynamic, and he's going to continue to have, play a huge role in this team, particularly on the offensive end. And then lastly, Sean Padula, 19 points on nine of 16 shooting, zero three-point attempts. Uh, I think it was pretty clear that Sean knew he was more physically dominant than his opposition and was just going to the rack and putting in absolute work. Uh, it looked like they were playing one-on-one on like three straight possessions where Padula just got all the way to the rim and scored. So uh, his ability to get to the rim uh, is something that I think we overlook sometimes, and he's incredibly good at it. So uh, I look forward to watching him continue to do that. Huh? Only one turnover. Again, yeah, 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 and he's been great on that. I mean, you're, you've got one turnover – from the point guard position against Wofford, and I believe the same against Campbell, one turnover. So um, quick preview of what's to come for the men. So they've got three games down in Florida, the first of which is Boise State. Boise State has uh, – he's listed as a guard, uh, but he's six foot seven, Chibuzu Agbo, and he's averaging 17 points a game for the Broncos of Boise State. Uh, I think that will be MJ Collins' matchup to start, but I, I think we're going to see a lot of Makai Long in this game to combat guarding Ogbo. And then on the other side of this, their other kind of headline guy is Cam Martin, who's a 6'9 forward, a senior um, from Oklahoma. He's averaging 10, 8, and 4 assists. 
Um, so kind of a Justin Mutz-ish type player. That'll be the Robbie Barron matchup, I would assume. Um, so I'm interested to see how the Hokies are able to combat those two um, matchup-wise. Uh, maybe you'll go with Barron on Ogbo and Kidd on Martin. It'll be really interesting to see how what Mike Young does defensively with those two um, pretty big you know, those two guys for Boise State are big dudes, and those are their two headline guys. Um, it'd be tough to kind of match up without Makai Long or Robbie Barron on the floor. So where the offense will come from uh, will be something I'll be paying attention to in that first game against Boise State if you have to play a lot of Makai Long and Barron in order to guard those two. Um, gotta win it. That. Go ahead. Gotta win it. Yeah, gotta win it. Gotta, gotta win it. Um, after that, the Hokies will play either VCU or Iowa State. Um, if you beat Boise State, I fully expect that to be Iowa State in that next game. Iowa State's really, really good and off to a great start. And then on the other side of the bracket, um, for that third game that'll be on Sunday, who knows? There's a chance you run into Buzz Williams and Texas AM, depending on how everything unfolds, but it's a really good tournament. Um, you know, of the next four games, I think you got to go two and two. So you got to, I mean, and one of them is at Auburn as the fourth game after this and the ACC SEC challenge. Um, really tough four games. Got to go two and two, in my opinion. But uh, I'm really encouraged with what I saw in that Wofford game. And I'm looking forward to seeing these guys play down in Orlando. So the schedule, I believe that Sons of Saturday tweeted out the women play. The men play Thursday, the men play Friday, the men play Sunday. Football's on Saturday, and the girls play Friday, Saturday. So five events in three days or four days for Virginia Tech Athletics. It's going to be really fun. Going to be busy. Going to be busy. But, yeah, need some wins. Need some wins in Grand Cayman. Need some wins down in Orlando. Got to pick some up here. But we will go ahead and sign off now. We'll we'll record after the Orlando and Cayman Islands trips for both programs. And, Hopefully we stack a bunch of wins while we're down there in the in the tropical climates. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we will talk next week. We'll have a pretty comprehensive update. Hopefully the football team is bowl eligible because we're going to need a distraction either way, I'll tell you. So yep. uh, we'll talk next week. Go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go to sweat sinking Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day To you and say